listening to The Chartographers. It is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people. We dig every single album by a particular artist, and we rank it from worstest to firstest. And here's the thing, guys. Oh, God. Earlier on Ooh. in the season, we tagged booze from across the crowd. Zero, zero. You do not win Eurovision. But guys, earlier in the season, we tackled an artist who... Basically, I, the way I would describe it is that we had an idea going into it, and it ultimately changed during the course of the podcast. He was an artist who is known for like a couple big pop hits, was considered one of the greatest pop vocals of all time, and is also pretty much a schmaltz peddler. And that artist was Whitney Houston. And the thing is that we kind of dug into it, and like at first we kind of had a notion into it. When we dig into it, and when, you know, when you marry any artist's discography with biography, and you kind of get a little bit more as to the whys, it kind of informs it a little bit. But Whitney Houston was a revelation in that regard. And weirdly enough, from this week, we are tackling a similar artist, one who's had a decent amount of pop hits, one who's considered an incredible vocalist of their generation, also a goddamn schmaltz peddler, bar none. And while the biography is a different kind of thing, this artist is basically a musician's a musician, a songwriter's songwriter. Someone who is never a big commercial force, but someone who is beloved by people working in the industry, who cares about craft and everything else like that. So that's right, this week, we're doing it. We're going to talk about the one, the only, an artist whose greatest contribution to popular culture was the mouth trumpet. Wop, wop, wop. That's right, guys. We're talking about Harry Nielsen. Harry. Uh, Oblio if you're the evil count. Uh, so Harry <laughs> uh, Nielsen, born in New York. Well done. Well done. In Brooklyn. And uh, basically, uh, kind of... Moved around a lot. Moved around a lot, exactly. Circus parents and also dad walked out on him when he was three, did a whole song about it. Uh, eventually... Uh, did a couple re- songs. Exactly. And he realized when he was with his, some of his buddies, and like doing covers of songs when he forgot the words he would just make up new words and was like oh this is how you song write got a job at a bank to hustle the songs during the day eventually got a song sold over to the monkeys which was kind of a big deal but the biggest thing when his debut album came out Pandemonium Shadow Show generally it was really liked by critics but uh, it was never really a commercial force but you know who did like it the Beatles in fact John Lennon and Paul McCartney both said that their favorite American recording artist at the time was Nielsen when that shit came out in the early 60s mid 60s so it's been a journey for him because he went on to do animated children's films, he did classic ballads, he's a weird goddamn dude, and he also put his eccentricities in the songs themselves. It's a journey, we're gonna dig into it, and we're goddamn excited about it. So, who are the we that's gonna be ranking the albums of, uh, Harry Nielsen? Let me tell you, first off, there's me. I'm Evan Sully. You might know me as interviews editor of Pop Matters, you probably know me as host of this podcast, because guess what? Love this damn podcast, season three, baby, number one. But the other thing, though, is that if you know anything about this podcast, then you also know the person sitting next to me, the line to my coconut, the co-creator of the podcast, that's right, <laughs> Taryn O'Reilly, I just thought of that, Taryn, how are you? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you seem to be more disappointed with my pun craft as time goes on. Uh, you know, it's it's hit, hit or miss. <laughs> it's, a, it's as good or as bad as good old desk, that's my real question. Uh, we'll get we'll get to good old desk. <laughs> don't don't make me go on that right now. JC likes it, so yeah. we should save that for later. Okay. Um, well, speaking of, uh, we I don't have so. we don't have guests in the studio today. No, 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 no. We don't have guests. We have people who I think have been on enough episodes. They're the echelon of Chartographers, Chartographers All Stars. Oh, are we still doing this? <laughs> 
Just add the, some echo. I, that's what I do. Oh, he does. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, don't, don't worry. It'll show up in post. It's the only effect we can afford. Uh, but listen, yeah, these are guests that we have been on in podcasts before. We love them dearly. First off, you actually probably heard him earlier in opening the season when he was a guest on our Steely Dan episode because he is a music lover and writer. He is also the keyboardist and one of the songwriters of the band Pharaoh Hound. Guys... JC Shakota is back in studio. What? What? How's it going? How are you doing, JC? I'm doing this podcast in the spirit of Harry. So, I, I, the listeners at home don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, he has a glass. There is not. It's not a lot. That's not like a guinea of coconut. Yeah, exactly. But there, <laughs> he was gonna bring rum earlier. But then there was banana daiquiris. It was a whole thing. More importantly, though. Aside from that, one of our other favorite guests, in fact, our most frequent guest that we've ever had in the history of the podcast, uh, you've seen him in basically every season, almost every episode. He is also... <laughs> every episode. <laughs> Secretly in the background with snarky remarks. It feels just like, that like This sucks. It's kind of great. Uh, he is also <laughs> the guitarist and one of the songwriters of the band, Pharaoh Hound. Guys, he's back. John Harvey is in Hello. studio. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Doing all right. Yeah, this is your first time on season three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, which is kind of crazy. I yeah, I was like worried for a second. I was like, are we having Harvey on? We can't not have. We get it for a season, right? Exactly. And also, this is the first time that me, Harvey, and JC have been on an episode since season one, episode two, when we talked about fucking Beck. So it is. Darren was not there for. He was not there for. So now we're bringing the group together again. Photographers All Stars hashtag. Uh, So guys, Harry Nilsson. Here's the thing. We want to talk about this impish, whimsical creator of. Tin Pan Alley pop music, but the thing is that his discography is a weird fucking piece of shit. Uh, we are gonna... <laughs> hey, hey, I, I, I say from a place of love. Uh, but basically, he has a lot of albums, and let's just kind of go over the basics, the ones, the RCA records for the most part. There is, of course, his uh, debut, Pandemonium Shadow Show in 1967. There is his little bit more mature and uh, definitely more confident pop effort, Aerial Ballet from 1968. There is his uh, more retrospective Harry that came out in 1969. There is his first covers album when he really took a shining to this new up-and-comer named Randy Newman. Nielsen sings Newman in 1970. Then his next pop album was actually the big Grammy-nominated album of the year thingamadoo Nielsen Schmilson in 1971. There was the much weirder pop rock follow-up that was Son of Schmilson in 1972. There was the, hey, whatever the fuck I want to do, I'm going to do a whole bunch of standards, because why not? A little touch of Schmilson in the night from 1973. Uh, there was his album that was drunkly recorded with John Lennon called Pussycats in 1974. Then there you got a, a Albums kind of come together in a time frame right now. Uh, there was 1975 steel drum fiasco that is do it on Monday, spelled D U I T on M O N D E I. Kill Latin, me. Latin reference. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Latin reference. Okay. It's a Latin reference, but those aren't Latin words. Yeah. He also they were gonna call it God's Greatest Hits, but I guess the uh, record company was like, you can't say God. <laughs> Stupid good old desk. Anywho, uh, there was the uh, whimsical follow up to that. That was Sandman in 1976. There was the you know what. Fuck this, I'm just gonna lay about on the album cover. That's the way it is from 1976. There was his uh, attempted comeback that was in 1977. Uh, and then after he left RCA, there was one other album he did for Mercury called Flash Harry in 1980. Guys, that's a lot of albums, but also Nielsen, he's got some weird things, and he has a lot of soundtracks. So let's talk about some other things. One of the most famous soundtracks that he's done, and the one that we feel like including, uh, is called The Point. It is a soundtrack that he did for an animated uh, show that he wrote, an hour-long thing that showed up on like ABC's, Disney's, whatever. And basically, it's, it's like a fun thing. It's kind of going to become a classic children's album. There's narration, there's songs, there's all sorts of other things on there. It's also an entirely Harry Nielsen-based product. He basically wrote everything. He did the voiceovers, 
is basically consistently him throughout the entire album, which is mm-hmm. cool. But that's not his other soundtracks. For example, Skidoo uh, is one where basically Carol Channing and a couple other people show up and sing some songs that he wrote. He did the entire score for this comedy movie called Skidoo, uh, but a lot of people have pointed out it is the best part of the movie is his soundtrack, but also there's it's kind of a weird thing. There's instrumental passages, him singing sometimes, and again, Carol Channing derailing the whole thing. <laughs> I don't feel the need to include that. The difference between the point and the other soundtrack albums is the point only has Harry's voice, whereas the other soundtrack albums, it's Carol Channing and Shelley Duvall. Also fucking Son of Dracula, which is the weird fucking film he decided to make with Ringo, where it's a bunch of other songs from other albums of his. It looks like it was made, like, on handheld (laughs) cameras, like, in someone's garage. (laughs) They had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, that's what what movies were back then. Yeah. Remember, remember how long it took like Hollywood to learn how learn how to end a movie? <laughs> I mean, like this. Just... <laughs> I mean, listen. My favorite part about Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca is I love the first forty-five minutes, and then it goes on for another two fucking hours after that point. It's just like cool. Thanks, man. Many of the Ambersons. Daybreak's a great song, though. Yeah, but also speaking of great songs, Popeye actually has some fun songs on it, like "He Needed Me" and other things like that. That was Robin Williams, Robert Altman. That was nineteen eighty as well. But also, like the cast sing versions of it on there. Like there is Shelley Duvall. There is Robin Williams kind of singing these songs. That's not the same versions as what shows up in the film. Like, it's weird. And it's also one I don't feel like we should be including for that reason alone. Because, again, other people are singing on it. It's odd. Uh, And so that kind of takes care of the soundtracks. The only other two real albums we have to deal with, there was Spotlight on Nielsen in 1966, which was kind of an amalgam of demos and covers and early singles that he kind of had together. Not like an album proper, kind of like just a market introduction to a degree. Spotlight on Nielsen. Pretty much everyone, including RCA, uh, considers uh, Air, uh, Pandemonium Shadow Show his debut, debut, debut. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with not including that. I mean, it's a little hard, harder to justify because it is an album. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, that's it, definitely it is, but yeah. the one that... It's more like a like just a compilation than it is like an album uh, form. It feels yeah. a little weird to not include it, honestly, considering that we're including that that's the way it is mm-hmm. and Nielsen does sings Newman which mm-hmm. are like well, mostly not his work either uh, and I also get it because it's like it's pretty rough I mean, yeah. we could just not put it gonna... last and make it easy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's the thing is I did listen to it I don't think it's as bad as some of the things that oh, we're making no. yeah. but really? you know no. it's, I mean, but I don't well, we don't that's really all we have to talk say about it yeah. it's not that interesting yeah. no yeah. Although, going into this week, the only other piece of weirdness that we have is, uh, and JC was fighting for it pretty hard, was in 1971, after he was picking up some steam and some popularity, he was like, his earlier albums, Pandemonium and Aerial Ballet, uh, were not available commercially, so he's like, I don't want to fucking re-release them, so he re-recorded and remixed them, took the original recordings, added new vocal takes, did a little production tricks, and so there's this amalgam album called Aerial Pandemonium Ballet, how clever. Uh, and it's basically all of the songs, like a bunch of the songs from both those albums, it's all the best songs, yeah, but newer versions. In some cases, better versions. In some cases, odder versions. Yeah. Certainly, but also like we kind of have the standing rule of we really don't want to rank the same songs twice across, yeah, them, which is why we're not gonna. I was kind of in a disagreement about it until going back and realized, like, oh, it's still like the same track, and it's not like. You know what Danger Mouse did, you know, with, like, the White Album and, you know, the right. Black yeah, Album. It's yeah. not, like, <laughs> a new reconfiguration. It's really kind of, like, different additions and subtractions, performances, and occasionally they blend stuff here and there, like, add lyrics from other ones. But right. it's not as, like, extensive of a remix 
as you'd think. It is like a historically significant album in the sense that it's probably one of one of the first remix albums. Fair, absolutely yeah. fair. Like true remix albums. Um, yeah, but I mean, we've never really done a remix album before because yeah. again, it's the same songs again, and I feel like that's kind of like disservicing the right because like oh, Aerial Pandemonium is better than Pandemonium, with, but in between them is another album. Like I don't know, that just feels like kind of disingenuous, yeah. you know, in terms so, of because I do agree that I think that some of the versions on it are better, but we didn't include freaking the, the Talking Heads. Stop making sense. Right, where all of the versions yeah. are better. Yeah, like so that's a live album though. Okay, yeah, okay, but also okay, th- okay, this honey. sort of feels. It, I mean, it might as well be like a greatest hits album. Yeah. We didn't do Madonna's Immaculate That's a good Inception, point. That's a good which point. is a remix yes. album that yes. has Different like well-known versions yep. of all yeah. of the songs on it. That's a good point. Yeah, fuck it. All right. <laughs> all right. I think I just said Immaculate Inception, which is really funny. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Coming soon. Madonna, Christopher Nolan, this summer. All right, guys. In that case, we have 14 albums that we are going to be ranking. Pandemonium, Shadow Show, Aerial Ballet, Harry, Nielsen Sings Newman, The Point, Nielsen Schmilson, Sunday Schmilson, Little Touch of Schmilson of the Night, Pussycats, uh, Do It on Monday. I fucking hate saying that. Sandman. Do no, it on Monday. Do it on Monday. <laughs> Sandman, that's the way it is. Pinnan, <laughs> Nanny, Nielsen, and Flash Harry. 14 albums, 14 slots. Guys, let's just fucking dive into it. I'm really, really excited. John Harvey, you are the most frequent guest on the podcast, so I'm not going to reserve this for you, because JC is here in studio. He gets an honor. We're just going to talk about it. We're going to debate it. There's going to be some outvoting, I know, but we all have open minds. I am also very fungible on a lot of this stuff, but we'll see. Uh, JC, do us a favor. Start us off. Number 14, please tell us what you would nominate as the worst. This one was actually not that difficult for me. Okay. Um, Um... Pussycats. Uh, everything else in the middle is a little trickier, but uh, I would have to go with That's the Way It Is That's from 1976. It seems like it was kind of an attempt by him to like make a pop album from 76, Okay. Um, whereas he was sort of doing a little bit more idiosyncratic stuff in a couple of years before that. And I just don't think it works. Yeah. I just don't think the material's there. You know, it's a I, bunch I like of I like yeah. I like Moonshine Bandit because that's the one of the you two songs like he wrote. Moonshine yeah, Bandit. I, yeah. uh, Moonshine Bandit <laughs> might be up for like worst Harry Nilsson song yeah. for me. I wouldn't say that. Honestly, I I you, you like you like really Zombie Jamboree better. Hate, look, okay, Zombie Jamboree <laughs> is at least fun. Zombie Jamboree. I know the original <laughs> version. I. I don't like that either. In fact, this is absolutely my pick for number 14 also. Yes. It's just a mistake. Okay. It's just like... It's pretty lazy. It's Exactly. It's so lazy. And especially, like, because the thing is, around this time, he put out a couple... He put out... This is sandwiched between my two favorite albums post-Schmielsen. So like, I would agree. With I it just it's it's so unnecessary. It's completely inessential, and there's really he does a ton of covers on it of yeah. songs that you already know, and I, the originals are better. I used to like be I used to be like Sail Away because I like the song Sail Away by Randy Newman. But after going back to it this time, I also realized like it kind of has nothing to do with what that song's about. Right. Like it's like a really detailed song about like uh, America like taking slaves from Africa and like then. Like shipping them and the like shopping, selling them the American dream, and then they get there and it turns out they're all slaves and like that's what the whole song's about. Yeah. And it's like he sings it like kind of like a breakup song. Yes, like yes. Yeah. I'm like it's, yeah. that's not really oh, what the yeah, song. Right. Also, also it has like these synth strings. 
that literally are painful. They're, I mean, I, I know it's the mid-70s, synths aren't in the best place, but it's like, it's grating. Like, they needed to be mixed down or like... I don't know, EQ'd something. Yeah. It's it's bad. Well, like, the, the other thing, though, and I think for the people who may not be immediately familiar with Harry Nilsson, I mean, he was a guy that in the 60s, he had a multi-octave range that was, like, incredible. It floated. He could hit whistle notes. He could, yeah. like, do all sorts of amazing things with his voice. Truly really a great but, vocalist. But the biggest thing is that when he did, when he got together with John Lennon and they had their last weekend and Pussycats came out of it, they were egging each other on, and during the recording sessions, Harry Nilsson blew out his voice, this lovely, lovely voice. Literally, his vocal cords were hemorrhaging. Yes. And he said at one point there was blood on the microphone, which is, like, not something you recover from. Right. And he kept it secret as much as he could from Lennon because they were having such a good time, he didn't want Lennon to, like, stop and abandon it like he did, so they just kept recording even though his voice was different. So that's why a lot of these later day albums, they have a little bit of roughness. And so on Sail Away, I think it's the worst moment, like, his, this scratchy voice, like, leans into that word, Sail Away! It's just like, ah! It's just, like, so hard to listen to. There's also a couple, I forget which song it's on specifically, but... Um, on both this album and once on Flash Harry, his voice like cuts out for a second. Like there was supposed to be a note there, and there it just, just isn't. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Is, like, and they lose. Yeah. They they keep that taken. Yeah, which is like. Uh, yeah. He didn't produce this one either. A lot. All of his albums post Pussy. Well, he didn't produce Flash Harry. Steve Cropper did, but uh, he produced Do It on Monday, Sandman, and could. Knielsen, yeah. son, son, whatever you call it. I like that one. But he, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, guys, I, I'm personally, we got 14 albums to go yeah. here. I yeah, think we can all it. agree. Yeah. That's the way it is. This version of that is all is better than Harrison's, though, in my opinion. All right, cool. Let's well, guess what? It's done. It's done. done. All right. <laughs> 14. I'm glad we got to agree on something. It's going to get contentious. John Harvey, what would you throw for number 13? Um, I'd probably throw... Flash Harry in there, just in terms of like what's an essential record to have on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, even though I don't think it's like, um, I don't think I don't dislike it as compared to like some of the other ones on here. I just think at least the other albums that I the other albums at least have songs I think are more critical to like his development and history, mm-hmm. and also just songs that I think are better. If you were to like make a list of like what's the top 30, 40, I don't think you'd ever really get anything of well, Harry on there yeah. or Flash Harry on there. I think I think Best Moves really good actually, it's and that's fine. actually that's a Van Dyke Parks collaboration. Rain's not bad either. Um, I, yeah, Rain. Yeah, that was that's it, like. Um, I just, I think when it comes to, like, some of the songs, like, I don't really, I, I didn't think the the version of Bright Side of Life is, like, really, like, kind of what that song's supposed to be. Like, it's supposed to be kind of be a bar romper, and it's yeah. kind of a little bit more, like, living room setting versus, like, it's a song that needs, like, Absolutely. the big yeah. voice. Yes, so that's, I mean, I know the original from, like, yeah. Brian, obviously, and it's so fun, and yes, it's exactly what you just said, it feels like that Playboy After Dark performance, it feels yeah. like, casual, just hanging some, around, yeah, and, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, football, soccer, whatever, it's supposed to be like a stadium kind of feel to it, yeah, yeah. yeah. right, uh, and it's, it's just, a pub, it's a pub song, pretty yeah. much, yeah, I wouldn't put this down there, I actually, I actually like Flash Harry. Um, well, you love the Eric Idle well, song, Harry. You just I, like I, I albums kinda... from 1980. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I responded a lot to the later work more than I thought I would coming into this week. Um, right, strange, number 13, strange Pandemonium. Enough. Got yeah. it. Right, cool. <laughs> no. Great, throw it on. No, I... Uh, 
As weird as this might sound, I would put little touches Mielsen in the night. Oh, absolutely. Oh, honey. No, 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 no. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're not. Okay. I want to talk about That was this, Harry's though. favorite album he ever made. Exactly. And here's the thing. Like, the biggest thing, when we watch this documentary, there's this incredible documentary called Who is Harry Nielsen and Why is Everybody Talking About Him, which just kind of details his entire life, which is amazing. And one of the things is that Nielsen Schmilson, that's the album that has uh, Without You, that has Coconut. It was this big Grammy, you know, whatever thing. Uh, and he worked with Richard Perry, who was uh, Barbara Streisand's producer at the time on a rock album because Harry had never really done a rock album before. And the thing is, like, they were excited. They were ready to follow up on the success. They did Son of Schmielsen. Harry's kind of losing it. He's going through a divorce a bit. He has some very foul lyrics on there that are defiantly not commercial. And Richard Harry's like, come on, we need to do a sequel. And it's like kind of whatever. And at that point... It's when Harry said, you know what? I like my voice the way it is right now. I need to do a standards album. And Richard Perry's like, I love standards. I want to get a whole orchestra in here. Let's wait a bit. The heat's on you right now. And Harry's like, no, no, no. We're doing standards. And I had this conception in my mind that a little touch of Schmielsen in the night was like some grand experiment. Like, I can appreciate a standards album. I really, really yeah. can. Mm -hmm. If it's done well, if they inject personality into it, if they add something new to it. The orchestra work on here is lovely. It's very well recorded. It's very deep and rich. It is a repetitious and surprisingly dull album, it just, though. He just doesn't do anything with them. He the doesn't. Thing about, yeah. The thing about standards is that when you have, like, Josh Groban or Frank Sinatra or... They, they add so much personality to it. And and they, but they also, they're also not afraid of going a little up-tempo sometimes. And I think that's where this album really falls apart, is that literally... There are no even mid tempo songs. There's on not this a record. single song with there's, drums on the entire album. Right, right, right. No, not even yeah. not even like orchestral drums. There like low in the mix. Give me some timpani. <clears throat> Give me fucking something. Because this it's just strings and his voice. And I tried so many times we this get. week to just like give it a chance and let it wash yeah. over me and connect. I, and it I never really did. wanted to like it. It's got like one of the best his best album covers in my opinion. I love that picture. Okay. I love that picture of Harry, but yeah. I think Frank Sinatra's um like a ranger did the strings. Yeah, so it's like you think it would be good, but to me it's just really monotonous. I think it's also, you I know, it's monot you know especially at this time, like you know, like some dude who is like fearless with experimenting with like vocal layering mm -hmm. and he doesn't really I think like that's for me when I come in, that's kinda why I have a harder time with some of the later stuff and like why I'm like really about point. the earlier stuff is that like he's like just doing all this crazy experimental vocal layering. And so you'd think with the standards album he's gonna give it the hairy spin. Maybe like he'll do like the no. backing maybe he'll do the chorus. Yeah, or like make a choir of himself or yeah, something. Yeah. Or just like yeah. do like do that like but do that note that like only can happen when you do like twenty voices of Harry's and it does it doesn't really get there. Right. Yeah, I don't I mean, are there even like vocal harmonies on this no. record? I think he just does it straight. Yeah. Which is he like plays it straight and it's so disappointing. Yeah. Like, because that was also, he brought in, like, uh, BBC or whatever to, like, film him doing this. I can't remember. And, like, just to, like, I want to film of this. And it's basically the entire orchestra, him by a microphone, and that's it. And I feel like that's, like, he didn't do any much post on it. It was just, like, I recorded I, the I, take. I'm good. I think there was a side of him that knew that, like, with his drinking and his, like, lifestyle, that his voice was going to get well, shot. It, well, it I, I, it's, like, weird that he would, you know what it I was mean? Almost, yeah, it's almost like... He knew that he was going to go on a bender. He was going down. Because Ooh. he was getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And he just was like, okay, before I ruin myself, I'm yeah. going to do this standards album. Yeah. And exactly. And he was... didn't do post on it because he was like, no, I have to do this now. 
Otherwise, and then and then he just kind of put right. it out in the world. And even in the documentary, there were people. That, uh, one of the songwriters that signed him talks about when he heard Pussycats. He's like, "Man, I know they were daring each other, and I know like he blew out his voice, but like there's a part of me that thinks that was intentional. Like there was a little bit of a self-destructive." Oh, yeah. The guy from America. That. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like for, yeah, he was just saying that like um, yeah, it, it does seem rather intentional, especially with like the lead up with this album. Yeah, and the other thing too, just the last thing on Touch of Schmielsen, and then I think we should yeah. yeah. Move on. Fine with and oh. oh, yeah, I, I would actually agree with that ranking just because at least if you're talking about, like, the song-wise, like, I feel like at least with Flash Harry, I could be like, you know, like, Rain and Old old Dirt Road are kind of cool. You know, that's fine. Like, there's, like, other stuff where it's like, I don't think there's really anything off yeah. Touch of Schmilson that I would be like, no, like, that's, like, yeah, you, no, gotta that's come, the one. you gotta come back yeah. for at least this and ignore it. Yeah. yeah. And right. I feel like he just kind of doesn't, he doesn't put anything really interesting into the vocal takes, even. Yeah, like, I, yeah. The thing is, like, he has a very technically skilled voice, but I don't think that his vocal timbre is very distinctive. Like, you when you hear him sing, you don't immediately go, oh, that's Harry That's Nelson, a Harry. Which yeah. I think is why he got covered so much, is because people were like, oh, well, we have a distinctive sound. We can take this song to the next level. And Hi, so, I'm in Three Dog Night. And, and, but part of what's so good about his discography consistently is his songwriting, with a few major exceptions. And that's... Yeah. Anyway, it all just right. all falls short. So, yeah. number 13, Little Touch of Schmielsen. Sure. Yeah. Let's yeah. go ahead. Let's kill And then shit. we can definitely do Flash Harry. Yeah. I like Flash Harry better than a lot of the other stuff, but if you guys are all in agreement, then... Harvey, um, you know. I yeah, because I feel like the other one I'm curious. I feel like there may be. I, I would put Flash Harry there because I mean, like, I also am not crazy about Ken Nilsson, but I feel like everybody else is kind of. Yeah, you might be. I correct. feel like the, the other ones may be more contentious. Than, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. at the very least, fourteen. That's the way it is. Number thirteen, a little touch of Schmielsen, and number twelve, a Flash Harry. Okay. So for you personally, John Harvey, it, the number eleven spot, you would nominate. Nielsen. Actually, oh, that's, well, here's the deal. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of between Duita Monday and <laughs> Knilson, but because there's those are two that have songs that I like, uh-huh. but like there's also a lot of stuff in between that I'm not like always on board I have for. A, I have a confession. Uh-huh. I, I love Knilson. <laughs> I truly. Okay. I, there's I, a manic I, look in his eyes. He really loves it. Guys. That was my great discovery this week. I fucking love it. I'm not going to say that I fucking love it, but yeah. there are a couple songs on there that I really, really like, I, and, the, and that really surprised me with where he was able to take it, especially mm-hmm. given the couple, the four albums before this, <laughs> with, besides maybe Sandman. Yeah. But like, uh, no, I for me, Up Next is definitely Do It On Monday, because we have... what. What are what are the highlights? Kojak, 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 Kojak. It's a junk. It's a jungle out there. <laughs> I kind of I like that one. Okay, Wait, or not. It, it, turn. Oh, oh. Here's the thing about Do It on Monday. Yes. Here's the thing. I actually really like this record. I I know why people wouldn't. It's got steel drums <laughs> all over the fucking place. But but here's the thing. I think Harry. Go. You know how Neil Young has his dish trilogy. I think I think Harry has his like train wreck trilogy. It's like Pussycats, do it on Monday in Sandman. That's after he blo- he blows out his voice during Pussycats, and it's just fucking insane shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, do it on Monday is basically let's just all get together and be drunk assholes like party album. Okay, like, you have to look at it that way. I mean, it's supposed to be like funny. It's not. It, it's supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be just kind of this like this nutso you know train wreck kind of record. 
And I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, the only thing that's kind of a downer on there is like easier for me. But the rest of it is, I don't know. I, I well, like it a lot. I would so. say, so easily, the the only thing that really stands out on this album for me is Salmon Falls. Yes. And that's yes. because it yes. doesn't sound like anything else on the record. The orchestration on it is stunning. It lets itself sprawl. There's all kinds of like really in-depth like improvisations from the instrumental. Like there's some really great studio musicianship going on in that song. And I think it's just his vocal take is beautiful even in this late era. But then, and I'll even even give this album a couple of the steel drum songs. When it's used like steel drums, when you have like the roll or like or it's like percussively, like to give it, it a little bit of an edge sometimes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like there's a little trill, like a little you know a tag at the end of the vocal yeah. phrase. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how you use steel yeah. drums well. There are other songs on here where he just kind of lets the steel drums just go like blink. He uses it like a keyboard. Yeah, he uses it like keyboard accents, except that when you have a keyboard, you hold the keys down. So the tone keeps going going and like fills the space, except he's using it like a keyboard, except when you hit a steel drum, it just goes ding. And so it's just this like stupid little staccato and it's yeah. all over this and I gotta be I gotta be real like I, f- I remember we had this conversation in the studio about like we're just asking each other like what's like the one instrument you hate because I feel like even if like you're like pretty open-minded like I'm pretty I feel like I'm pretty indiscriminate like I feel like everything has its place okay. but I feel like everybody also just has one instrument that they're just like I can't stand this mm-hmm. shit and for me unfortunately that is the steel drum I forgot what JC said I remember uh, the produ- producer Doug Malone said that he hated the pan flute and couldn't yeah. stand that. I mean, fair. Um, yeah. J- Dave was the the accordion. <laughs> <laughs> not a weird owl fan. There's certain times I like the saxophone. Don't get me wrong, but there's certain times I think saxophone is used poorly. Well, fair. Yeah, sometimes people are like, "Oh, we need a sax riff. Let's just let it go." Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, that's yeah, all that's you need. Like, I like, I like. Yeah, but well. discrimination <laughs> aside, like I kind of I like it. W- there's some stuff that I do really like on here when it's kind of like the more upbeat drunk stuff. Like when it's a jungle, a uh, Kojak. Yeah. I think Puget sound is actually kind of nuts. Um, like when you actually like, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Puget when you like hear cool, like, the, like yeah. the like I think that's a synth or just whatever is going on there is like yeah. such a weird layering. But then like it's just like when it's not those. Sometimes I'm just like. I'll even yeah. I'll even give him what's your sign. Yeah. I, you know what? And yeah. with the guest vocalist, it's fun. It's, yeah. yeah. It's you know it's inoffensive. I'm fine with it. Yeah. yeah Puget Sound is like, it's all right. But the thing is, there's there's so many songs on here where like yeah I don't hate it, but there's besides Salmon Falls, which is like maybe top ten for me. Because it's just, it's partly because it just comes out of fucking nowhere. For him to do this emotional, like, languid, like, gorgeous, dusty song. Uh, In the middle of all of this, like, stupid steel drum bullshit. Yeah. and so, yeah, I mean... It's an album that I remember also when I first got into. I always wished it was funkier. I always kind of wish that Harry made, like, a little bit of a funkier album because he has totally. kind of his moments. And there's kind of a little bit of it here with some of it, too. Yeah, he's but just then a little like, too white for it, honestly. Maybe, yeah. yeah and he, maybe that's that why... That didn't stop him from doing the voices and what's in... <laughs> and not the, the <laughs> wine saucer. Oh, <laughs> I like that one. Which, which album is that on? That's, That's on, on Sandman. Sandman. Okay. But what's yeah. weird is that Jesus Christ, you're tall, is on Do It on Monday yeah. and, and on Sandman. Sandman. Well, yeah. so uh, the Sandman the, version has horns. It's like the real version. Yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, you're tall. On Do It on Monday, it's like, on, it's like a minute 
30 or something, yeah. and it just ends like a yeah. demo. It, well, the book ends with good for God, you know. He, I am it's definitely, God's greatest hits. Definitely know? more so for the Sandman version. Than yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, are sure. we agreed to do it on Monday or 11? Or do you have, oh. you have a proposal? You guys aren't going to go for it. Let's see. Oh, sure, let's oh, talk about it. it. Let's, yeah, upset your friends. Yeah. Well... You know, it's weird, because I actually really... I like this record, too. This was always, like, a personal favorite of mine. Okay. But um, he definitely made better records, but Pussycats... Weird. was not expecting that one from you. You're, no. Wait, you're saying Pussycats could be number 11? There is one I'd actually put before Pussycats that I'm not sure if I'm going to get much disagreement. If, I'm, if I'm thinking of it on, like, a song-by-song song basis, I, I kind of like doing On Monday better than Pussycats, crazy, crazily enough. I, I I, I'm like smiling because I'm shocked by that, but also I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, "Are you right?" Because you're JC, I don't want to give you that credit, <laughs> but like, are you okay? But let's before like, can we at least talk about Pussycats before we dive into? Yeah, sure. yeah. And, and then I also want to hear your nomination, John Harvey. Okay. But Pussycats again, his John Lennon record, and the thing is that you got to keep in mind. Uh, a lot of people really embrace Nielsen Schmielsen because after being kind of this quirky and idiosyncratic pop singer, this is him doing a, like a rock album finally. Nielsen Schmielsen, it's very much pop. And the thing is that Harry didn't do many rock-like tracks, mm-hmm. and like uh, like the ones that he did were very clever. Like I think like the closest thing you were kind of getting to rock early on was tracks like maybe like you can't do that, the Phil Spector, or not even that, but like like uh, Rainmaker. There's like really yeah. not like a yeah. lot Rain- of like very yeah, rocky songs. So, like, when he comes and do this, I think, like, and when he did do it, like, you got crazy songs like uh, Jump Into the Fire. There's, like, there's a very yeah. interesting Damn. twist yeah. to a Harry Nilsson rock song. So when you say he's teaming up with John Lennon, like, you're oh, kind of like, shit. okay, let's do it. Like, Harry's making the rock album. Yeah. I will, and so this album is produced by John Lennon. John Lennon, let's be honest, not known as a producer, traditionally, you know. He had a song on a fucking Mick Jagger album. Did I remember that. Anything what? Else? Yeah, I mean, I when I reviewed I the really best of Mick Jagger, he did a song called Too Many Cooks in the Kitchen, and it had the same kind of fucking dusty bass, sloppy drum yeah. aesthetic thing, where it's just like, put some microphones in it, record, I guess. Maybe mix it. Okay, John, so, John was a rockist, for sure. Yeah, yeah. no. I, so here's the one thing, though. I, so this is a sloppy album. It's like, it's been one of the things where production-wise, it's kind of this rackety about thing. You can hear a lot of the strain in the voice here. It's still blood. There's a lot of people that genuinely love this album because it's like close to hard rock almost. While Sonny Schmielsen had a lot of different styles and things and went a lot weirder than uh, Nielsen Schmielsen did, Pussycats is like kind of the apex of that. This is like burned out rock guitar Harry as much as possible. I, I like it a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I I mean if you really if you really look at it, I mean I think Do It on Monday has more of a vision. Per se than Pussycats. I agree, honestly. I do Whoa. think I, I don't. I think Do It on Monday is a worse album, but it does it have a yeah. vision. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, Pussycats. Pussycats to me. I mean, I think it's. I think the tra- track sequencing it could have been way better. I think it's not even that the songs are bad. I think it's a bad sequence. Like a presentation, almost. Like I would definitely smooth stuff around. I just think it. I think the covers on this album, especially, are really unnecessary. That's the thing is, I feel like he early on had one, something. two, three o'clock, he four had, o'clock rock. For example, <laughs> to be fair, but he 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 had such success with covers, covers yeah. early on in his career, and he had sex success with other people covering his songs and so I feel like he just sort of later on was like oh well I can do covers of standards because I'm Harry Nilsson and people will buy it anyway and I love this song 
But the covers on here, we get fucking loop de loop, <laughs> rock around the clock. The one cover I will say dude, that I come back to very often is that I think that version of Many Rivers to Cross is like absolutely fucking incredible. I agree. Yeah. That's. I'm blown away by there's, that. There's, <laughs> there are multiple albums here where I'm like, there's one song that I like and everything else is pretty crap. And on Pussycats, it is yeah. Many Rivers to Cross. It, it's, it's sort of like a, a mind games out to yeah. in some ways. But I like it, I like it too. It's the only one that I, I mean, think it's actually gives, It's the only one that gives you like, it like fits your expectations of a John Lennon Harry Nilsson album. I, right. Okay. I think his version of Subterranean Home is really good yeah. too. Yes. I think yes. it's I think that's I actually I think, think great. I rank it higher because I think there's just more songs that I come back to more. Like mm-hmm. I have an opinion that usually gets a lot of eye rolls that I'm is going to be like 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 seasoned across this episode, but I think that like Harry Nilsson kind of has like a lot of ties to like hip hop. When you really break it down, and like, is also kind of has these weird things like an amazing flow in terms of how he does it. Okay. And like, you kind of get that on songs like All My Life, where he's just kind of like, like I've been spinning around, doing all my life. Like, he kind of fucking, like, he kind of spits and has like really like groovy like rhythms when he goes on there. I'm sorry, and I'm not gonna give you that. <laughs> that's cool because we have more evidence once we get closer to some of these earlier albums that how some of the people that he's tied to are tied to legendary hip-hop tracks when you break it down with some of the producers and some of the people that played on his tracks. Okay. (laughs) I still think that using flow to describe his vocal takes on here is really generous. Well, that one and For All My Life, there's more flow in early Harry Nilsson, just like the way that like he's spitting like all of his lyrics out there. Okay. And there's just like cramming as much in there as possible. He's got mad flow on the flying saucer song. (laughs) (laughs) But I will... But I will say... One of the reasons I like Subterranean Homesick Blues' cover on here is because it is not the Dylan version. Like, it is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the song, but I feel like it's him and Lennon, they're, like, making something new, a little bit more ramshackle, a little bit more rambunctious, a little bit more kind of tossed about. And I like that. I feel like, okay, this has an identity of an album. But then, you know, by the time you get to fucking Black Sails, uh, like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of... Which is extremely shit. dark. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I really don't like that song. I don't. To be honest, I also would have ended the thought this would album would have been better if you ended it with "Save the Last Dance for Me" versus mm-hmm. like a "Rock Around the Clock." Yeah. Just yeah. Like, yeah. that's like an afterthought. Speaking almost. of covers yeah. that we didn't need, though, "Save the Last Dance for Me." Yeah, I'm okay that... with that one, but I don't think it's like a mind blowing. At, at this point, yeah. John Lennon was kind of like a rock fetishist. Yeah, because he did the album "Rock and Roll." Yes, "Rock and Roll" era, right, right after this. Covers. So you know, uh, I'm not yeah. surprised there's a bunch of like kind of oldies on here. And, you I know. just think as far as like I just I, rock around the clock is just not real like even though it's like a, not a bad version in my opinion but I don't think it's like anything to really get too excited about right, right. And yeah it's kind of like oh you blew out your voice for this yeah yeah so I mean, it's a jerk off album I I like it a lot it was one of my personal favorites once upon a time so well, yeah but you're throwing it down here I, you know I was just I hadn't listened to a lot of the later material before this episode and I really responded to a lot of it not gonna lie yeah so um. um I don't know. The I one mean, I would throw down before oh, yeah, Pussy please. Cats, um, and I, I don't think I'm really gonna. I don't think it's, um, people are gonna go down for this one. But in terms of like ascent, like carrying the essential songs, like that's like very critical to his growth as an artist mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. I don't think the point really is as like really is as critical for him as growing and as as many inch must hear songs compared to like I think there's still a few more on Pussycats that I say this is like essential Nilsson versus the point which 
I think kind of has less of that, even though I like The Point a lot. I yeah. actually think it's a more enjoyable album overall, but maybe not as essential. Taryn is shaking. I love The Point. Yeah. I love The Point. Okay, so just briefly, my dad must have put this on as like a children's record for us, and like I have, I watched The Point as a child. You know, I think he was, he was not like a diehard Harry Nilsson fan, but. You know, this is when he was listening to music. He was a teenager in the 70s. So we had a decent amount of Harry Nilsson in the house. And I fucking love the point. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that Me and My Arrow, known as one of his best songs, I think rightly so. I think it's a really good little pop number. It's also very child appropriate, which is not a plus or a minus, really. But... I just, I, and I think, like, think about your troubles. That's a really, the, really good song. It's a fucking great song that he copies later to <laughs> not quite the same effect. Um, and then uh, um, the other thing about the point is that when you take out the interludes, which I sort of just don't even really yeah. count as, I mean, they are part of the experience, which is why, I mean, this isn't my top or anything, but when you take out the interludes, it's only seven songs, and I think those seven songs are pretty solid. Right. Yeah. Hey, Taryn, did you know that Me and My Arrow was sampled in a hip-hop song? <laughs> yeah, I was... I was, I was gonna say... <laughs> Which one, John Harvey? Tell me Let's more. But, go, you know, in defense of John's, uh, John's statement that Harry has mad flow, um, me, 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 me and My Arrow does kind of have this weird, like, like, Proto kind of hip hoppy thing. Like, like so, no, no, no. It's not a hip hop song, but I'm just saying, if you, it, there is something extremely unusual it was about by that, song's ri- that, that song's rhythm section. Oh, okay. Blackalicious, yeah. No, Blackalicious is awesome, yeah. I mean, I'm down with it. Right, now, I'm not going to necessarily entertain the flow argument, but here's the one thing I will say, though. <laughs> the point, the thing about the point is that I feel like it's not going to... Maybe, like, if you grew up with it as a kid or something like that, that's one thing. But the thing is that if it has good songs on it. I think the narrations, the nice thing about the narrations on here of him telling the story of Oblio and the town of the Count and whatever the fuck is going on is the fact that it, you don't need to actually see the film. Like, it's all very consistent. And when you listen to this record, we're talking about, like, visions that he puts forth. You want to put this up against fucking Pussycats or do it on Monday, the point is considered. It is whole. Yeah, it is sure, absolute. Yes, absolutely. And and so like I so for me like it's one of the things it is not gonna be my number one it may not even be in my top five it's fucking better than either of those two albums just in terms of pure and you're talking vision. about fetishes earlier I like really dig like that time before um I feel like they reached a point towards the late like seventies when like with synthesizers where people kind of figured out and decided how you had to play a synthesizer yeah 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 and so like I'm really into like those early synthesizer albums where they'd usually just give it to classical composers and they like would just two- like just basically do classical music or like that. Wendy Carl with the fucking yeah. corn um, what was yeah. the like, Plantasia <laughs> like, okay. yeah like fucking <laughs> yeah. like they're just and I kind of feel like that's in the same vein where there's some really kind of experimental weird interesting tones and works yeah. that yeah. I feel like exist before somebody decided yeah. how you had to play it right mm-hmm. and that's the thing about the point is that musically it doesn't sound like any other Harry album which is something that I think is like fascinating because when you think about these little like, kind of chugging little rhythms and then you have these nice little like repetitious string signatures yeah I mean it is so funky Oh my god, it's jiggy. But it's yeah. hip hop in the same way that like early MJ is hip hop. If you really want to go that far, 
<laughs> Thanks, Harry. God damn it. Anywho. This is in the spirit of Harry. Yeah. <laughs> I guess <laughs> he keeps doing that. Uh, it's not a thing. Right. So in okay. that case, though, I mean, listen, I'm happy to talk about the point, I think, at a later time, certainly. But as of right now and talking about it, for me, do it on Monday, Pussycats, I feel like those got to be the next two to go, personally. personally. Um, definitely. Yeah, I think that was a pretty good, actually pretty good defense as far as ranking albums. I yeah. think the point is definitely a more concisely vision album. But if you are still just trying to talk about, like, which fits its, which succeeds at its goals better, even if I don't like the goals of Do It On Monday, <laughs> probably su- succeeds better than the goals of Pussy. But I don't, yeah. I completely disagree. I think that Do It On Monday falls on its ass. <laughs> I seriously, like, I really, it's, it's some of the worst instrumentation in his entire discography. I'll tell you why. It's Guess what instrument's on that album? Steel drums. Fucking steel drums, baby! I mean, just, like, I, I think that his whole career would have been better off if he had just never tried to go tropical. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. He, I, like, oh, he was, yeah. He like, yeah. Well, it's weird is that he goes from being like super unique to kind of being this weird amalgam between like Jimmy Buffett and Billy Joel. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly what happens to me. I hadn't put it into those words before, but you are so correct. I was actually gonna say I don't need you on Flash Harry. Is kind of like a, it's like a Bob Seger slash Billy Joel song a little bit. <laughs> I'll let I'll let Evan decide the tiebreaker. I don't feel. Str- How dare you I kind of I would say I put I put Pussy Cats above Do It, but I'm gonna let you do the tiebreaker. Oh yeah, no, that's what I would say too. I would I would put Pussy Cats above Do It. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that is a fantastic thing. So let's go ahead. Let's put Do It on Monday at number eleven. Let's put Pussy Cats at number ten. Okay. Great, we've broken into the top nine. We're 45 minutes of the episode. We could probably do one or two. I feel pretty good about it. We are down for the record for those at home. Pandemonium, Ariel, Harry, Nielsen Sings Newman, The Point, Nielsen Schmielsen, Sonna Schmielsen, Sandman, and Kenan Nielsen. So, what, I know you threw out Kenan and Nielsen. And you know what? Here's the thing. I just said that. I just said that and I'm thinking about it because I feel like, you gotta keep in mind, Kenan and Nielsen was, in fact... A actual like comeback record to a degree. It was him like writing all his own songs. It was again. supposed to be. And believe it or not, RCA they heard it and they were just like, you know what? We think we you might be right on this one here. They were getting a whole promotional budget ready behind it. But the biggest thing is that then Elvis Presley died, and he was on RCA. I thought that was Flash Harry. No. no oh no, he was on Mercury for Flash Harry. Yeah. No, Knilson oh, okay, was the yeah. one where basically Elvis, Elvis died, and RCA took this and a couple other new albums. They just put all the resources towards the last album that Elvis recorded and his whole back catalog. They're just like, well, he's gonna sell the fuck ton out of this now, so they just made it all out there. So he kind of kind of fell the circumstances. I would say Knielsen is not one of my favorite albums. I do respect it, though. It's one of the things where, like, I can see him kind of getting back into the groove. And more importantly, more than a lot of these things, you can hear him have a little bit more fun again. Way more fun than that's the way it is, for fuck's sake. Uh, But, like, I enjoy it. I really enjoy Knielsen as well. Um, I think All I Think About Is You is a very nice, understated opener. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I Never Thought I'd Get This Lonely does what it... 
it like it it's not my favorite, but it it accomplishes what it's setting out to do. See, that's how I feel about like mostly this album in general. Like I do like that second one, and I think Perfect Day is a pretty great yes, song. Yes. But it's not like when comparing it to some of his other works, even the songs I think are good aren't necessarily mm-hmm. I think still like top tier. Yeah. And also because there's kind of like there's a very specific energy and like tone to like this album. Like I don't feel like you get like really like heavy moments. It kind of rides out and like honestly like the thing is like sometimes this album kind of sounds like the soundtrack to erectile dysfunction like it's a pretty flaccid Ooh. album so it's not a hip-hop <laughs> album is what it's you're a, saying it is a little more down tempo i just think the orchestrations are fucking gorgeous I on this thing. like they're like kind of amazing and the thing is um, that like part of it like kind of like, tricked me though honestly the orchestrations are so lovely and so enmeshed in the production that when I was kept listening to who who uh, who done it, it's like then the cloud are at five. I was still alive I and mean, the smiles were walking. And then I was thinking about like the melody to coconut. You put the lime in the coconut. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things where it's just like this is goes back to his melody. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean all that's over again. definitely one of the ones he recycled. Uh-huh. But on on the other hand, this album has lean on me, which I think that that's the thing. I think I, I hear what you're saying with mm. this album is kind of flat. Um, because I, I think it's one of the most produced sounding Certainly. albums that he put out. Mm-hmm. It like Lean on Me is very produced, but I think that's why I enjoy it so much is because it really has growth. It really like it swells and then explodes into the ending. Um, yeah, sweet surrender. Yeah. Um, I, I like Blanket for Sale a lot. I don't know. I, oh, my God. So, so I walked over by Taryn earlier before tonight. He, he had his ranked uh, songs, like, top ten or whatever. I was taking a look at it. And there were a couple surprises on there. Like, honestly, Many Rivers to Cross. Definitely not my favorite song. That was one of his favorites. I was amazed. But then I'm like, wait, baby, Blanket for Sale? That's one of your all-time favorites? Yeah, that's, like, top five for me. So, like, walk... I was yeah. just tell us the story real quick. Okay, so similar story to the point. Blanket for a Sale was on a children's compilation that we had in the house. And I I heard it for the first time during research week, and I was like, this fucking song? I didn't know this was Harry Nilsson. And then I looked it up, I was like, I think I know a cover of this. And no, it was the original. Oh, and wow. Like, I, I, it was this yeah. version of the song, and I have listened to this my whole life. Um, and I think the orchestration is really good. I like how, as, as the song goes on, they get sort of detuned and they're sort of sliding between notes sort yeah. of like it's because it, it it starts and with the it feels like it's maybe going to be a lullaby like when on the ocean yeah. especially with the lyrics blanket for a sail and then it gets uneasy like like it goes a little like yep. this was a lullaby but it's a little bit of a nightmare too you're, you're yep. in a storm on this ocean and I just I think that it's actually really cool Again, you can really hear in there that there is direction and production happening. Like, mm-hmm. he had a really clear idea for this song. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the, the vision of this album, I, I just think it's one of his most complete records, honestly. Like, front to back. I don't think the, the peaks on this are as high on, obviously, some of the earlier albums. Yeah. Even some of the lesser earlier albums. But as a whole, I mean, for me, it felt like an experience to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I gravitate towards... Albums that well, are that are an experience, I think. Yeah, and um, onto themselves. And I gotta so. be honest, when Harvey tossed it out there a couple a uh, couple placements ago, like I want to throw this album out here. I'm like, nah, man. There's a lot of things on here. But now we're at this point when we're looking at his discography, where like I tossed it out there, I said you nominated it, and I'm just like looking at it. I'm like, 
you know what? I mean, I'm not... I might be maybe thinking it's time, but what I really want to hear is someone someone else have a nomination for what they would throw at number nine at this point. Because, like, I was looking at the track list of some of these other ones, and I'm like, I might have... I might have a nomination on here, but honestly, it's it might be down it might be down to this. What do you got, JC? You've been opinionated to JC. I would put Shadow Show or Schmiel, Son of Schmielshin down down here, personally. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, and like I I I was surprised by how much I like Knielsen, mm-hmm. but there's really only one album that I would put lower than it, and judging the room, I guess it's gonna be controversial but it would be sings newman like i i I wouldn't totally disagree with you on that okay so here's the other thing too i was thinking about sings newman because for the right i mean like when he decided to do a whole album of you know uh randy newman songs it seems like a thing to do now but you got to keep in mind this came out in 1970 randy newman was still an upstart songwriter he had yet to have a hit with three dog night doing mama and mama Whatever, but uh, Mama told me not Mama to come. Not to come. <laughs> Doesn't he write a song on Harry? Yeah, yeah he, he wrote does. Caroline. No, oh, no, no, he wrote, he wrote uh, Simon Smith and his amazing. amazing yeah. Oh, yeah. which is yeah. kind of a perfect end joiner for like how he kind of <laughs> yeah. goes into his next part of it. And exactly. so one of the things like this is an album that Harry produced himself, and it's one of the things where like by producing it himself, Randy Newman played piano on it, and then Harry went and recorded about eight hundred different vocal takes because he wanted to make a choir of Harrys. I get it. And honestly, when you think about this, especially compared to a touch of Shmi- a little touch of Schmielsen. Honestly, I like a lot of what Sings Newman has on here. Like, it's just it, the production is very simple. It's lovely. It's pastoral. I, it feels like a postcard. Of I an feel album about Nilsson Sings. I feel like how JC feels about Knilsson. I think it's like one of the more complete albums that he's got on there. I yeah. think also when you even check out a lot of the essential albums that were made, you'll definitely find like surprising like picks from that one. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's really any song I dislike on this album. There's a big difference though. There's like, uh, I mean. What that it's like the songs are good. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's a covers album. Yeah. There's no original material. Yeah, but I'll the other. Oh, go ahead. Which, I mean, I guess you can look at it that way. Like that doesn't I, matter. But but I mean, I if think you're talking, does. if you're talking about that, his most successful song was like other people's covers. I think that's still kind of in tune for Nilsson and puts enough of his own spin on him where it's really pretty removed from the Newman version. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I I agree. I think that. I understand why he, why he did this yeah. album because he's a much better singer than Randy Newman, mm-hmm. and I think that Short it, it definitely some of the places he goes to on here mm-hmm. are absolutely are incredible. I really like the Beehive State. Yeah, I think too. that yeah. that's sort of a yeah. it's a sound that we don't get from Nilsson a lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but so, then Dayton, Ohio, nineteen oh three, kind of got me. I, like this I think that's gorgeous. Flashback. Just oh, yeah. that stretch. I'll be home. I'll be home living with, living without you is such an incredible. Yeah. I probably agree with I'll be home one, and then next for me, living without you, mm-hmm. like that one two punch is like just incredible. Yeah, incredible. I mean, I'll be home. The production on there. Yeah. I mean, because there's there there is very good youth. But think about sense. but think about the production on Perfect Day though, like yeah. with that though. Like the vocal core, whatever's going on in there. I Every mean, last song on Canadian. Yeah, I yeah. just I think I'm still just more impressed since like I'm more come to Harry's a little bit for the voice. Like I just think like some of that shit. Like because Nelson sings Newman is also an incredibly minimalist album mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Like the like Cowboy is an outrageously. It's essentially like these weird two note things over verses before like a three chord thing. Like it then with, I just think that's also he throws the illusion to. Uh, Midnight Cowboy on at the end. Yeah. 
Which and, is like, kind of nice. But then he's got a little guitar thing going on on Vine Street, Street, which I'm down with. But then Yellow Man has not aged well <laughs> at all. Questionable, if it should even be written. Just putting that's that out there. That's that a little bit Randy of... Newman. Yeah, <laughs> so, just, you know, putting the, you know, saying... You know, the only song is that I, I think it could have ended stronger than So Long, Dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another song about his dad. He's just like... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I just, I just, like, I, I hear what you're saying, Harvey. I just, I don't think that Nelson Sings Newman is essential. So you, I, do, I would, honestly, I think that there are songs on albums that we've already buried that are more essential to his discography than anything on here. I don't know. I just, I still kind of disagree on that because I don't know why anybody would need to listen to Ken Nelson besides Perfect Day. <laughs> Which is so funny that you keep saying that because Perfect Day is pretty unremarkable to me. Oh, it's like it's, it's far pretty... from my favorite thing on there. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, okay. John. You were saying that you go to Harry for his voice, yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, his voice is like a big deal. But the thing that I like about Harry is his ex- eccentricity mm-hmm. um, in his songwriting, and just you know, he, he's kind of a quirky, quirky guy. And to me, I think he actually probably viewed himself as a singer first. Yeah. Truly, but for me, it's all about the songwriting, and I, you know, a, a straight cover album. I'll take an album of entirely original Harry material, even if it's Nielsen sings Newman. So, um, over that, I mean, you still have the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and here's the other thing I will say though is the fact that, you know, I think we're talking about Ken Nielsen, we're talking about Nielsen sings Newman. And I think these are, we're talking, getting into like good album territory yeah. at this point. We really are. One of the things I will say, Kenilson was a comeback album. I do, you know, like that he's kind of getting into the fun of writing songs again. The thing about Nilsson Sings Newman, plurals and cons aside, much like the point though, this is definitely, he has a distinct vision. It's not him doing a standards album and just kind of fucking about with an orchestra for a while. This is him like very consistently, I want to focus on this one brand of songwriter. I want to take on these characters in the story. And, just, and like, I, I think he also, part of the motivation here, is I want to do this songwriter right because I think that he is an incredible songwriter and deserves more exposure. And mm-hmm. that was successful mm-hmm. in a certain way. It really helped launch Randy Newman's career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's one of the things that it didn't even feel like a favor, though. It just felt like something that he just like was like a, a natural progression. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. I think what yeah. works best about Nilsson covers is when he does feel really strong. Because yeah. yeah. you'll find like the of these Beatles covers that are just not really all that interesting. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the Beatles covers, A, they're not the most interesting Beatles songs to begin with. They're really covers. He, yeah. he, right, and he, he just just re-sings them. He doesn't reinvent yeah. them in any way. They, I mean, um, he loved the Beatles, but I think he almost had too much reverence. Right, I, he didn't want to yep. fuck with it. He mm-hmm. was afraid to experience it. Aside from the first, when he does uh, You Can't Do That on uh, Pandemonium, yeah, yeah. which is just a fuckabout of 18 different Beatles references Especially crammed into one song. I... I mean, we'll get to it, but of all the Beatles songs to fucking cover, <laughs> of all of the fucking Beatles songs to cover, yeah. you go with, you can't do that? I mean, yeah, because it was sick. It was fucking awesome, and it made him money. Lots of money, and it hit. He nailed this. It was all, it was all, oh, it was all in the title. When you, you said, can't do that. When you said uh-huh. it was sick, it was sick. Uh, that's not what I thought you meant. It oh. was, it was a, it's a little sick. It's yeah. a little fucked up, and I think that it... You know, it, it, it's very hip hop. It's yeah, it's really hip hop because that <laughs> album is sure. like super, just like incredibly 1966, 1967. Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's like way more an iconic 60s song. It has like way more, it's like a little bit more defining than some of these mm-hmm. other ones. And it's also 
one of the few albums where he's actually kind of cool on it. Like, there's, like, he kind of gets, like, really nerdy for, like, most of his career, and I think there's, like, still kind of somewhat of an illusion of him trying to seem, like, hip with this shit. Yeah. Totally. He's, like, a sophisticated kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think, like, when I do kind of think of, like, this Playboy After Dark kind of things, it's this weird, like, hotel loungy type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I think that song kind of is perfect in that regard. Okay. Okay, but we're not talking about that album. Yeah, I know. No. no, 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 we're not. But here's the thing. After hearing everyone speak for a little bit, I gotta be 100% honest. I think y'all have convinced me. I think it's basically down to Sings Newman and Knilson at this point, personally. Like, it's one of the things, like, the spots, I mean, I might be a little bit on about, but, like, I feel like every other... I'm looking at the other albums that we have yet to rank, and I feel like there is so much more territory and so much more excitement and joy and color on here. For me, I don't think either of these albums are going to be part of that same level of conversation. I feel like it has to be one of the two. That's just what I think. Thoughts? Ideas? Agreements? That's, you know, it's reasonable. Okay. So in that case, it's one of the things where, like, I can kind of take it. Part of me... I, I like the vision of Nielsen Sings Newman a little bit more than Knielsen, but honestly, if it was the other way around... I could maybe see myself going that way. Harvey, you're pretty much standing I, hard I just for Sings really Newman. Don't like Knilson. Okay, that's fine. You know, and guess what? These things happen on the podcast. So what? And what do you say, well, JC? Nielsen sings Newman. If that's the yeah. Mm-hmm. You t- at number nine? You said yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I. Agree. Okay, so if we do that though, can we at least put oh, Nielsen above? Next. Yeah, okay. That's, All right. You know, well, in that whatever. case, we are an hour into the motherfucking podcast, guys. So let's go ahead. Let's uh, lock it in. So number fourteen, we have that's the way it is. At number th- uh, thirteen, we have a little touch of Schmielsen in the night. At number twelve, we have Flash Harry. At number eleven, we have Do It on Monday. At number ten, we have Pussycats. At number nine, we have Nielsen sings Newman. At number eight, we have Knielsen, which means we have seven albums left. We are an hour into it. Uh, there's going to be a part two. We're going to record it in just a little bit. It's going to be great. We have these seven albums left. I'm excited about it. Uh, In the meantime, though, JC, John, thank you so much for being here already for this one part. I very much appreciate it. We have a lot more to go into. Taryn, of course, as always. We have opinions. It's great. Yeah, you don't care about that I'm here, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) You're not very hip-hop, i got to be honest. Yeah, I'm really not hip-hop. There's so many more hip-hop facts coming into it. I did a lot of research. A lot of of essential hip-hop sampled icons coming up. You know what? I'm so glad that we could do this artist for John Harvey's last episode. (laughs) This is so great. It's amazing. In the meantime, though, guys, you probably have a lot of opinions. Please do us a favor. Find us on our Facebook. Facebook, send an email to the chartographers at gmail.com or just comment on however format you're listening to this to. Let us know what you think because we would love to comment and be snarky about it. Uh, in the meantime, if you do us a favor, if you like this at all or hated it, whatever, do us a ranking on iTunes. The more rankings there are, the more visibility there is for the show. It's awesome if you do that. We appreciate it. I have a cookie in my pocket. More importantly, though, we have a part two coming up right after this. So if you can please uh, keep on listening because you know that we'll be. Uh, see you on the other side. Have a good I mean, we don't need to hear right. the intro. We rank it dating. Alright, in that case. Yeah, do bank dang, kick it dang, bank it dang, get it dang, kick 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 it d